Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Wednesday edition of the show. It's hard to believe we have reached February 1st. We turn the page to a new month, a month away from March Madness, less than a month away from the start of postseason basketball on the boys' side at the high school level. And Justin just sent me a message, said uh, Wednesday, whatever I said, it's Thursday. Sorry, I'm I'm not completely out of it today, maybe scrambling just a little bit here, but uh, it is Thursday. Welcome into the show. And uh, a great week for basketball, as we've talked about last night, some girls' sectional action again uh, at some of our local sectionals, two of them, in fact. And tonight, you've got some interesting boys' games as well. Then Friday, back into the girls' stuff. And, of course, Saturday, the girls' sectional championships as well. So glad you're with us today. Plenty to get to. Beginning to gear up for an Indiana game later this week against Penn State. Another winnable game for Indiana, another home game for Indiana, another game they need. I saw a story on the Indianapolis Star website when I was scrolling a little earlier today, and it said something about IU's path to March madness has uh, zero room for error, uh, and that is absolutely, excuse me, absolutely the case. Uh, Indiana, if they are going to find a way to get back in bracketology, if they are going to find a way to make it to the NCAA tournament, they're going to have to have uh, a special and memorable month of February uh, and a great performance potentially in the Big Ten Conference tournament as well. Who knows? Maybe this will be the year Indiana gets hot, and maybe for the first time ever the Hoosiers will win the Big Ten Conference tournament. I'm being a little facetious when I say that, but it's going to take something I feel like miraculous to happen for this Indiana team uh, to have a legitimate chance to uh, get that kind of success and honestly to get a March appearance. I saw earlier today some NIT bracketology that someone had tweeted out or posted for the first time. There is such a thing as NIT bracketology. Unfortunately, we know that if being an Indiana-geared show, and you're probably an Indiana fan if you're listening, we've had to worry about, think about, talk about uh, NIT seeding and things of that nature before. So Indiana obviously in the radar right now for the NIT. Uh, We'll see what happens, though, over the month of February. Just in small pieces, finishing out this week with another victory, another home win would be really big for Indiana basketball. Uh, Let's look at the show lineup today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one here in just a few moments, Alex Bozich, excuse me, uh, our Hoosier headlines here in segment number one. Uh, Segment two, That's when Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall will join us. 
presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. Uh, with Alex, we'll get ready for Penn State. There's plenty of things to talk about uh, IU storylines here at this point of the season. I don't think I have seen any word out on injuries with Xavier Johnson and, of course, Malik Renew, but those obviously are things we'll talk about with Alex when he joins us a little bit later in the show. And then Steve Kerberg with us in segment three today. Great time to talk to Coach Kerb about the girls' basketball here in the area and also boys' games this weekend and just kind of what to watch for over the next three weeks or so as we get ready for the postseason on the boys' side as well because I didn't have the, I don't have the date right in front of me, but it's coming up here. I think in two weeks we'll have the pairings for the boys' state tournament and, of course, for the boys' sectionals. So uh, that's just a stark reminder that this season is quickly, quickly dissipating and uh, we'll be into postseason play uh, on the boys' side before you know it. Let's uh, also remind you that this uh, lineup today brought to you by Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Stop by for a delicious lunch. They've got great sandwiches, salads, and soups that are made fresh daily and will surely satisfy any craving you have. You might even uh, find something else to take home as they have a variety of dinner packages. Give Honey Baked Ham in New Albany a try. I think you'll be glad that you did. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy, cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce drinks and smaller, fountain drinks and smaller, are only 89 cents. So uh, come in today, grab a fountain drink for 89 cents uh, from Thornton's, and send us a text on the Thornton's text Next line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Before we get into our headlines today, it was a great night of college basketball uh, last night. I started with the Purdue game. Purdue had been upset by Northwestern at home. They rushed the floor just a few weeks ago, and it looked like uh, the Wildcats could be on their way to another win over the Boilermakers last night on uh, the home floor of Purdue. Uh, But it was a great game, a great finish. It required overtime for it to play out. An unbelievable, uh, staggering difference in free throws attempted uh, in the game last night, the Purdue game. Purdue had 48 free throws, and I believe the uh, Wildcats attempted eight free throws in that contest last night. So that was obviously a huge, huge difference um, in that game last night. But it was a good one. Northwestern is good. They are they are the real deal. They are uh, competitive. They were competitive once again with Purdue and took them all the way to overtime and to the wire before Purdue able to hang on for the victory last night. But that was a good warm-up game. Following that, Kentucky and Florida. I thought Kentucky, I think they were favored by five and a half at home on um, last night, on Wednesday night. I thought they would, would cover that. I thought the Wildcats at home would uh, would do that. They did not. Uh, Kentucky defeated by Florida uh, in overtime as well, 94-91. So kind of neat. I don't get to sit down and watch a lot of full games of college basketball. I got most of the Purdue game, or at least the second half. But uh, neat to see two back-to-back overtime games. They were good games, great crowds, great players involved both ways, and something often missing from Indiana games 
uh, pretty good shooting, uh, to be quite honest. That's something that uh, is an art to watch. It's fun to watch good shooters. Uh, it makes the game cruise along, and we don't always see that from an Indiana perspective. But a good night of college hoops last night, no question about that. Those were some fun games, and I think Purdue's uh, really good. I think Northwestern is really good. I think Kentucky's really good. Um, and, of course, that's with Kentucky getting beat last night. But uh, good night of college hoops for sure. Also, as we get into our headlines, talk a little bit about girls' sectional action last night. Because of some uh, eight-teamers, uh, seven-teamer sectionals here locally, uh, we get Tuesday, Wednesday first-round games. And last night at Floyd Central, Silver Creek uh, able to uh, make a real race, a run late in the game. They outscored Floyd Central, did Silver Creek 24-8 in the fourth quarter, and the Dragons would go on to win 60-51 uh, at Floyd Central. A sophomore Emma Shane, she had 22 points. Brooklyn Wren, who's getting all sorts of Division I women's basketball interest, she had 41, or excuse me, she had 21 points as the players combined for 43 points. Uh, big win for Silver Creek. That was a good game last night between uh, Silver Creek and uh, obviously Floyd Central, the host team. Floyd has been playing some good basketball as of late. They've had a nice season. Silver Creek now advances to take on defending sectional champion and Defending state champion Bedford North Lawrence. Both teams have 18 and 4 records. Bedford hammered New Albany last night 58 24 in the first game. And so that sets up Jeffersonville at 13 and 9 against number 5 in the state, Jennings County, who is 22 and 3 at 6 o'clock on Friday, followed by the Bedford and Silver Creek game. I think. Uh, Friday night will be a good night of basketball, Jennings girls basketball. Jennings County's good. I, I think that they should handle Jeffersonville on Friday, but the Devils are capable of keeping it close. And then, of course, the second game, two teams with identical records. What a big challenge for Silver Creek. Can they keep the momentum going after a big come-from-behind victory last night over Floyd Central? Can they knock out defending state champ Bedford North Lawrence before Jennings County likely has the opportunity to do it on Saturday night? Jennings, I think, is the favorite in that game uh, for uh, for the uh, 4A, really one of the top 4A teams in the state, uh, in the, the favorite if Bedford and Jennings County do meet on Saturday in the sectional championship game. Uh, another girls sectional locally last night that had some games. Uh, Austin defeated Providence for the second time this season. Very identical scores and margins, uh, 46-35 the final score. I thought Providence, who's another team that has come on, they've won a number of games in a row to close out the regular season. I thought they maybe could be a challenger to Brownstown and some of the other good teams in that sectional, but they had to get past a good Austin team, and they could not do it last night, uh, 46-35 the final score. And then Eastern Pekin, they decked Clarksville by a score of 69-33. Uh, that means that uh, the uh, Austin and East Eastern will take a, a plate to will square off in a semifinal game on Friday. That's the second game, and Henryville will take on Brownstown, who might be my favorite along with Austin at this point in the first game at 6 o'clock. So that's the lay of the land at Providence hosting the 2A sectional here locally. And, of course, other sectionals locally resume on Friday as well with semifinal games and championship games set for uh, Saturday night. That's a look at our headlines for this Thursday edition of the program 
Before we go, I do want to mention Indiana women with a big victory last night, 87-73 over Maryland on the road. It's the third game for the Hoosiers without Sidney Parrish, but they are finding a way to still be very competitive in the Big Ten Conference. So the IU women are going to be fun to follow into the postseason. Also, IU football with another commit. Matt Merrick is his name. He's from Carl Sandburg High School in Orland Park, Illinois. He committed to the IU football program as an offensive lineman, six foot four, two hundred and eighty-five pounds. He's the first commit for Coach Signetti and his staff in the class of 2025. So uh, also Merrick is from the former high school as IU offensive lineman Dan Feeney. Um, so connection there as well. We'll head to a break. We're back with more. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. To a commercial break we go. Alex Bozich, presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, is next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Thursday program. Alex Bozich inside the hall. My guest, this segment presented each week by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture with locations in downtown New Albany and the newest location on Veterans Parkway in Jeffersonville. Thornton's text line open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Alex, before we jump into IU stuff, did you watch Purdue Northwestern tonight? And I don't think I realized it uh, in the second half as I watched things unfold, but uh, Purdue shot 38 more free throws than the Wildcats last night. That's a stat that really stands out from that game and from the box score. Didn't watch uh, much of it live because I was at one of my kids' uh, basketball games last night, but was following along on my phone and got a chance to see some highlights after the fact. Uh, not particularly surprised on the free throw discrepancy when you kind of look at how Purdue plays compared to Northwestern. Uh, it definitely is obviously a, a huge discrepancy, but with Zach Eady, he's a difficult matchup, and when they get the ball into the post to him, uh, really tough to stop. But, I mean, tremendous fight by Northwestern. I really thought uh, on the replay that I saw there at the, towards the end of regulation when they had that drive, it, it looked like, uh, I think it was Bowie that had the ball. I thought they were going to call a foul there, and, and nothing was called. And then, obviously, it goes to overtime. And Chris Collins uh, expressing some frustration there and getting ejected. I thought that was actually pretty fun to watch because uh, Courtney, Courtney Green is, one of those officials that all Big Ten fans, I think, know him by name and, and not for the right reasons. So uh, Chris Collins probably airing uh, some grievances uh, on behalf of, of many Big Ten fa- fan bases. But tough loss for Northwestern. Obviously, uh, Purdue uh, didn't play its best game because typically at home they're, they're usually able to handle opponents relatively easily. 
Alex Bozich inside the hall with us here in this segment. Let's get into IU stuff. Um, obviously, we're at the midway point of the Big Ten Conference season. Indiana sits at 5-5 five and five in league play, and I guess that's a four-way tie right now for fifth place in the Big Ten Conference. I mentioned this. I touched on this. Uh, in the first segment, I guess it comes up fairly regularly uh, at this time of year, but what is Indiana's path to the NCAA tournament? Is it basically no margin for defeats the rest of the way if they are going to find a way somehow to slide into the big dance? Uh, I would say they got five losses right now. I think at minimum to get in the conversation, they would need to be twelve and eight, and at that point, they're that probably gets them like in the conversation. I'm not saying in the tournament. Um, they have work to do in at the Big Ten tournament. Uh, anything obviously better than that, they're probably gonna have a pretty good good chance um, to make it. But you know, if they if they were to go twelve and twelve and eight in the Big Ten, that would be seven more wins. That gets you to twenty wins going to the Big Ten tournament. Probably gotta win a couple games, and then you're at least in the mix. And the problem with their resume is it's, you know, they got some quad two wins or they've done well against quads three and four. They got nothing in quad one. Um, so that's going to hurt them in the eyes of a committee. You know, if they were, to, if this was even become a conversation, but right now they're really not even on the page. Um, obviously Andy bottoms of the assembly call has done bracketology for us for, for several years now. And, you know, he's, been doing his projections, I think, weekly on Tuesday mornings. Indiana hasn't been mentioned once, and you know, they've 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 got a lot of work. I mean, they they pretty much need to win out at home, I think, and and steal some road games to to get back into the conversation. It's it's a long shot, but obviously, you never say never uh, until the games are played. But obviously, a ton of work to do. Alex, another winnable game coming up uh, this weekend with Penn State at home. I guess uh, when you have a home game, when you have an opponent that's middle of the pack like an Iowa or someone like a Penn State at this point, those are games Indiana has to win. Yeah, I mean they've they've got to continue to to win at home. I, I know they they lost that home game to Purdue and and losing the the Kansas home game. I think really when you look back at the schedule, that was probably the game that they really needed to win. Uh, there was the closest thing that they had to beating a really quality opponent. But, you know, Penn State this weekend, it's a tricky game because, you know, they come in, they are they just won at Rutgers. I think it was their first Big Ten road win of the season. They haven't really been all that competitive in, in conference road games. And I know Rutgers is really in some uh, dire straits right now with their record. I think they're, I looked at this this morning, I think they're 10 and 10, but, and they have the seventh best defense in the country, but a sub 300 offense. So, uh, they really struggled last night. I think they only scored 46 points. Uh, Penn State beat them at the rack by 15, which is anytime you can go to Rutgers and win, it's a, it's a good win. So Penn State's going to be coming in with a little bit of confidence, but, you know, Saturday is a game. You know, Indiana can't overlook, can't afford to overlook. They can't feel too good about themselves. You got to put the Iowa game in the past, and you got to come out and execute and be ready uh, to play from the opening jump, like they were against, you know, Iowa. So, uh, yeah, you know, at, at this point, Indiana's not in a position to start looking ahead to the schedule. I mean, obviously, I, I think if they can take care of Penn State, the game next Tuesday at 
Ohio State becomes really pivotal. I mean, Ohio State's really gone in the wrong direction right now. They're they're in a bit of a free fall. I think they've lost five of six. Their next game is at Iowa, so uh, they could be coming in uh, with what losers of six and seven, six of seven if they can't win at Iowa. They're uh, starting to be some heat on Chris Holtman there. So uh, obviously, these next two are are crucial uh, for Indiana uh, with the Purdue road game looming next weekend. Talking with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, uh, IU Penn State up next, but some other interesting Big Ten matchups ahead for the Hoosiers. Alex, I saw you retweeted something earlier today. I, I did not pull it up and go through it, but Indiana is in the conversation for the NIT and for the bracketology that goes along with that. And yes, there is bracketology for the NIT. I think Indiana fans are probably all too familiar of that with that because Indiana's been in the NIT uh, in the past and recently. So wh- where do you where do they have Indiana at in the NIT? I guess if things don't go well enough for this team to get in the the big dance, the main show. Yeah, I haven't looked Super closely at it. Uh, the one thing you got to remember for the NIT this year, it's different than in previous years. Obviously, there's going to still be 32 teams, but they've removed the the rule where you know if you're from a smaller league and you win your regular season, and then you don't win your conference tournament, you're automatically in the NIT. That's no longer a thing. So what the NIT is going to look like this year is going to be a lot more high major, uh, you know better mid-major schools they're going to be in it they're it's going to be heavily looked at the, the net's going to be heavily considered and the major conferences the top two teams from each major conference in the net that don't make the ncaa tournament are going to get automatic bids uh to the nit that's probably not going to apply to indiana if things continue as they are but if they get to a reasonable amount of wins and improve their net a little bit i think they're going to be in a position to get a bid to the NIT potentially, and obviously probably wouldn't be a team that hosts uh, probably be a, a road game type situation. But uh, as things stand right now, I mean, from a postseason perspective, I think that's the most realistic outlook for Indiana. Obviously, uh, the team and, and people close to the team aren't, aren't going to just give up and say, well, there's no chance for us to make the tournament. But unless one of those scenarios that I talked about earlier or short of a miracle run to – a Big Ten tournament championship, which has never happened in the program's history, uh, Indiana's probably looking at, at, at an NIT bid at this point, and I would think they, they'd be a, uh, a decent candidate to, to get there, assuming they can get to something like 500 or a little bit less in the Big Ten at, at, by the end of the season. Alex, another thing uh, for Indiana as we think ahead to the next few games, some concerns about health. Xavier Johnson went down. It appeared to be something with his arm or wrist. And uh, also Malik Renew, very concerning to see him, uh, I think, come back out on crutches, they said on the television broadcast earlier this week. Uh, Tight-lipped as normal, probably going through the procedures. Who knows exactly how serious those things are, but they sure did not look good uh, on television the other night. No, did not look good, obviously, but there's been uh, no firm update, at least from the program. I would think tomorrow morning when Mike Woodson, I think he's scheduled to talk to us uh, tomorrow morning, just give us an update on what's going on uh, with both of those guys. Um, You know, on the replay, as I, I went back and watched both of those plays, a second and third time, you know, Renew stepped on, obviously, the foot of uh, Ben Cricky of 
uh, Iowa and then immediately kind of froze up there and, and it looked to be in some pain, limped off, and you mentioned the crutches. Um, but he did walk off under his own power, so uh, not 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 to speculate or anything, but hopefully that's something where uh, it's, it's not as long of an absence as, as people think. And, and Xavier Johnson obviously took a hard fall on his arm, but was in the locker room after the game on, on the video that Indiana posted on social media, had some ice on his arm and kind of like a makeshift playing around his arm. So we'll see what, what goes on there. That, the, the one thing there, you know, it's his off hand. So not a shooting hand, not his hand that he primarily dribbles with. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of see how it um, all shakes out, but hopefully there's a, a chance that, that both of those guys are, are going to get, be able to get back on the court next season. Cause Indiana surely needs as many pieces as they can, if they're going to try to make a push uh, towards the postseason. Yeah, no question. Alex Bozich inside the hall this segment presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. Alex, uh, Anthony Lill has been a red-hot player since the game earlier this week. It's not just for uh, his performance on the floor late in the game, coming in, getting some real minutes and scoring some points, but also I think just how he handles himself off the floor. And he is somebody that you've tracked since his days at Bloomington South. You guys have written about him a lot at InsideTheHall.com. Really neat to see an Indiana guy, a guy that was born, raised in the state, heck for that matter, in Bloomington. And he's always been up front that his dream was always to play for the Hoosiers. It really didn't matter who the coach was or what type of success they were having at that time period. Uh, like a lot of us growing up years ago, he, he wanted to play basketball here in the state. Um, so it's nice to see him get some opportunity. It's nice to see him get you know these NIL deals, and he's used that money to help his sister and do other really good things, which is great. But I do wonder what his role will be like moving forward because I think he's earned the trust of the coaches, uh, earned the right to take more shots, and he's capitalized on some of these opportunities. So 22 minutes against Iowa, I've got to believe that he's going to continue to see as long as things go as they have, his role grow and grow and grow with this IU team. Yeah, I think so. Um, I was kind of beating the drum on social media earlier in the season for him to get more minutes when I think it was the Kennesaw State game and the Nebraska game, which is the first game after break, where he, he, he got a chance in both of those games to play, I think, double-figure minutes and looked good. And then he kind of went back to – not playing at all, and uh, I, I kind of wondered and scratched my head, like, you know, I, I understand that maybe his upside and, ter- and talent maybe not be as high as some of the other guys off the bench, but for the most part, I thought he did a lot of things that helped contribute to winning. Is he going to get beat sometimes defensively and struggle on that end? Sure, but uh, the other night, I thought he showed that he can come in and make some perimeter shots and uh, play hard and, and, and make the right play, and, and I hope that that's rewarded uh, the rest of the season. Uh, he, from all accounts, he's been uh, a great teammate. I know people around the program can't say enough good things about him. And, you know, he's, he's stuck it out. I mean, he, he came to Indiana as a Mr. Basketball. I'm sure he had some level of expectation of, of the minutes that he was going to get, and that hasn't materialized. A lot of players would leave and go somewhere else for a, a better opportunity, a chance to play. But, you know, he's obviously a Bloomington kid, loves IU, loves being a part of the program, and, it'd be a great story to get a chance to see him uh, continue to, to play and, and make an impact the rest of the season. 
Alex, let's get into some other Big Ten things and college hoops items to close out today. The Big Ten Conference announced earlier in the week some plans for the future with new basketball members coming in next season. One of those things that stood out to me is not every team is going to make it in the men's and women's uh, postseason basketball tournaments. Your, Your reaction to that? Not a huge fan of it, but the more I've kind of um, looked into what would go in, what would go into having 18 teams in the Big Ten tournament from a bracketing perspective, and also just the uh, the way it would have to be set up. I understand why they're going to a uh, a different setup. They want to keep the format of you know having those Wednesday games and then Thursday. Uh, everyone else besides the four teams, I think, with a double by play, and then Friday, really, the the top teams in the tournament begin to play. Uh, obviously, understand kind of not trying to water down the event and have too many teams and make it drag on too long. So I, I just hate, and some people push back to me and say, you know, the early games, obviously, and it doesn't give, you know, there's there's nobody cares, the the fans aren't showing up, but. I've always kind of looked at it as an opportunity for each team to have a chance to just fight and play their way in. I know there's a regular season and there's a chance to obviously play your way into the Big Ten tournament now, but with the unbalanced schedule that's going to be coming, um, the amount of, I think it's going to be 14 single plays that you're going to have every year, and then you're going to have three teams that you play twice, uh, you're really diluting the regular season product and the regular season Big Ten championship. And then now you're going to have a conference tournament where not every team is represented. I just don't think it's a positive step forward for uh, Big Ten basketball as a product. And, and really, a lot of these decisions that have been made in college sports are obviously made with football first and uh, first, second, third in the conversation. You know, men's and women's basketball aren't considered as you know, being uh, important or essential in these decisions, and that that's frustrating to see. Um, but I understand the rationale of kind of why they're doing it, and, and that's what they're doing, so that's what we're all going to have to adapt to. But, uh, you know, I, I just I wish there was a, a better way to, to to figure it out and get every team involved. And also with the, with the scheduling, man, it's just, it's just going to be uh, – the way I read the release was so there's – Obviously, there's going to be three teams that you have kind of like a protected rivalry or geographic rivalry. Obviously, for Indiana, one of those teams is probably going to be Purdue. Who knows about the other two teams? And then you're going to have, you know, the other 14 games that you play, it's going to be one year you go there and one year they come to your place. So uh, it's going to be uh, wild to kind of see how that impacts the, the regular season Big Ten championship because, you know, I've written in the past about the schedule impacting now who wins the Big Ten in the regular season. Yeah, you think it's bad now. It's going to be a whole lot different when you add four more teams to the mix. And, you know, if one year a team gets a really favorable draw, that could be the difference between them winning uh, the Big Ten tournament or the Big Ten regular season champion and somebody else winning. Alex, one other thing you touched on it was the protected rivalries uh, where uh, it'll be a home and home or uh, uh, yeah, home and away series within the year. Uh, Purdue, obviously, it makes sense. It's an important game uh, locally in the state. It's hard to imagine a situation where Indiana and Purdue don't play twice in a season. But beyond that, it's hard to say. I mean, geographically, there are some schools that make sense to fill out those other two spots. But I'm not exactly sure which way the Big Ten will go, and I do wonder if those games will change every year as well, minus obviously, obviously the Purdue game. 
Yeah, I don't think they'll change every. I think there might be like a cycle for them because they want to keep the other thing consistent with going. You know, the, the other fourteen games, they want to keep the consistency where everybody's kind of getting like home and away every other year with those other teams. So I think you could see those change out. I mean, I've just kind of been thinking about like who would Indiana fans like want to see uh, two games every year with. I mean, would it be Illinois? I mean, that's one that at least have some history with, and it's, you know, it's drivable from Bloomington, pretty easy for fans to get there. Another one, Ohio State, uh, would, would potentially make some sense, but they're probably going to be obviously for sure looped in with Michigan, um, beyond that, uh, it's kind of hard uh, to speculate and figure out. But um, you know, from a historical standpoint, you kind of look at the, the, the two programs that are going to have the most national championships within the the Big Ten uh, are going to be Indiana and UCLA. I mean, is that would it be cool that maybe to have a year where they go home and home with UCLA? I think that'd be fun to watch. But obviously, I think Purdue has a pretty good chance to be in. The, 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 the one that stays consistent there, and then I think you could see teams like Illinois potentially, and, and we'll see for the other spots. Alex Bozich inside the hall. Before we let you go to the Thornton's text line, texter asked or says, Xavier Johnson can't seem to avoid committing flagrant fouls or being injured. To me, he wants to create drama by trying to dunk over bigger guys or throwing a ball at Hawkins of Illinois. Did he have this reputation at Pitt? It seems to hurt Indiana more than help. Your thoughts on that? And I don't know about Xavier's reputation much before Indiana. You might have a better uh, viewpoint or knowledge of that. Yeah, he did uh, have some, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a reputation, but the story's still out there. You can find it, uh, a couple stories actually, uh, because I I know I read them when he transferred to Indiana, but uh, when he was at Pitt, he had problems late in that season. He kind of his third season at Pitt. I believe he left the team like early February. I'm not exactly sure on the date, but he didn't finish the season, uh, and then was going to go in the portal. And there was a couple of stories where Jeff Capel was critical of him for technicals that he had picked up in some games. So, uh, you know, he's always been a fiery player. He's always been a guy that plays with an edge. Um, you know, I, I don't honestly. I mean, Mike Woodson seemed to not like to play against Illinois where he threw the ball. I, to me, I was I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, and he, it's not like he just, uh, you know, w- grabbed the ball back and launched it at the guy. I mean, he just threw the ball after a made basket. I mean, it's, obviously time was expiring, probably something he shouldn't have done. I don't think it rose to the level, level of a technical foul. If you ask me if Zach Eady does that or Boo Booey does that, is, is it a technical? Probably not. But when you have a reputation, uh, I think it starts to follow you around. I mean, the other night, I mean, suggesting they shouldn't have tried to go up and dunk on somebody. And uh, that, that's just, I mean, I like to see that from a guy. I want to see somebody that, that wants to go up and dunk on somebody. I mean, that's the kind of fire that Indiana needs to, to show. So, and that was just a freak play where, he he got hurt. I don't. I mean, you can't blame a guy for trying to go uh, aggressively to the basket and dunk and, and say that's the reason why he got hurt or it, it's his fault. Or I mean, that's just a, a freak play. But you know, in terms of just the the reputation and kind of the stuff. I mean, that that's just kind of who he is. But I will say this. I mean, you know, if he if he's playing well and and doing things like he did, you know, against that. In that earlier that game earlier uh, last month against Ohio State, I mean he's 
he's a dynamic guard that can do some things. It's just the consistency and the decision-making are not always there. And unfortunately for, for him this season, it's, it's been more of the bad version of, of Xavier Johnson than the good version. I think that's what kind of people like to hit on. But, you know, I was, I was I'm really hoping that he wasn't seriously hurt the other night because, I, you know, I know he already had last season taken away from him and he came back and, wanted to, to be a part of this team again uh, this year, and uh, I hope he gets a chance to finish it out on the court. Yeah, I agree. Alex Bozich inside the hall. Alex, as always, thanks for the chat. We'll talk with you next week. Absolutely, Matt. Thank you. Alex Bozich inside the hall, presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. We'll head to a commercial break. Steve Kerberg on Indiana High School Basketball is next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Thursday show. Uh, text from a friend. Uh, this is interesting on the Purdue Northwestern game last night. It says Purdue had a 46-8 advantage in free throw attempts at the line. We, we've discussed this. The largest free throw attempt gap in Big Ten conference games over the past 25 seasons it was last night in that Purdue Northwestern game, according to ESPN stats and information. So there you go. That is obviously a let landmark uh, stat and uh, I get it but uh, wow what a stat last night Steve Kerberg with us as we talk uh, the latest in high school basketball Steve a really good week we had Tuesday Wednesday sectional games on the girls side locally tonight we've got Thursday night boys basketball games Friday we've got uh, boys Saturday afternoon we've got boys and then of course Friday and Saturday the girls semifinals and championships in the sectional so it's wall-to-wall hoops as we enter the month of February absolutely this is uh, as a fan a great week to go watch a lot of basketball I I love it um, being able to get out um, to watch some some great matchups tonight um, on the boys side and then uh, Friday night you know, there's some, I would say, heavyweight fights coming up Friday night and setting up even possibly some bigger matchups on the girls' side on Saturday. But then also to get to watch some afternoon games on the boys' side on Saturday. Um, I love it, man. I mean, I, I just love watching basketball. I know you're the same, and it's a, it's kind of a unique week, and it's fun to get out and watch a lot of uh, great contests. Steve Kerberg, former coach, great uh, friend of Indiana High School Hoops with us on Thursdays. Uh, you've directed a lot of teams uh, over the years, uh, different size schools, head coach, assistant coach. What changes as you come down the stretch, let's say for a boys program, as we enter February, you're thinking about maybe a conference race if you're still in that conference contention. Uh, obviously, there could be some rivalry games the rest of the way, but I think at this point, a lot of the focus goes to preparing and saving for the postseason and for the sectionals, and we'll know those draws even for boys here very soon. 
Uh, absolutely. I, I think I think the first thing is your your practices shorten. I mean, you you maybe don't go as long. Um, you get a little more focused um, on certain things, and and it's kind of almost twofold. First, you're you know big picture. You're thinking about what what it's going to take for you to have a chance to cut down nets in the tournament, and and maybe even the opponents that you're going to have to be able to to defeat um to win the sectional so kind of big picture you're thinking i think that's always on a coach's mind throughout the season what do we have to be great at uh when the tournament begins to give ourselves a chance and i think that's something you focus on throughout the season you know if you're you want to be a great half court defensive team you're you're working on that all season and even get more focused as the season ends um but you're you know you're also thinking about specific opponents that you um you know you're actually preparing for all season but then on a on a smaller scale a more detailed scale you're still having to prepare for um the the next opponent so 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 my philosophy was always you know we're trying to uh get ready for the next specific opponent but um you're still working on things that are going to help you win in march um so it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a challenge i think uh, i mean th- think about you know uh, think about New Albany, for example. They have Jennings County tonight. Jennings County may shoot 25 three-pointers tonight, you know, and then next week they're at Providence, who's probably one of the best half-court defensive teams um, in the state, in my opinion. And then, But but all of that is preparing you. I always look at these as practice games. They're preparing you for the real games in March. Um, we always said there was three seasons. The first season's before before Christmas, the second season's, after Christmas and the third season of the tournament. So everything, um, everything's preparing you for the tournament. And it's, it's, it's pretty, I've always been intrigued by how different coaches prepare for that. Uh, that was always my philosophy though, is, is try to think of the big picture things that could help you win in March, but also not lose sight of the next, uh, opponent on the schedule. So it can be, it can be tricky and challenging, but, um, um, you know, I think every coach has a different philosophy on that. Yeah, no question. Steve Kerberg with us. Uh, let's talk about boys games this week. You mentioned New Albany and Jennings County. That's what I'm kind of interested in because it really involves the Hoosier Hills Conference race, especially from a New Albany perspective. Jennings's record is not near as good as New Albany's at 13-3, and but man, Kent can shoot the ball. There's some other guards that can help him in that uh, cause. They beat Brownstown, so uh, the Panthers under Rob Kent, who it's crazy to think about him coaching there. Uh, I can remember being in school myself and Rob Kent just absolutely tearing people up, a great shooter. But that aside, uh, man, uh, this Jennings County team, they're dangerous, can be dangerous on any given night. Man, I, I got to see him play a couple years ago as a freshman at Floyd Central when Floyd was really, really good. And uh, he walked into the gym, and I don't know how many threes he hit. And I was like, who? You know, I was like, who is this kid, man? He he was talking to to anybody that would listen, just just super confident, shooting it from everywhere on the floor. But he he's very talented. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think Jennings County is one of the tougher places to play. Um, and uh but but man again we've said it several times coach jones and and the new albany bulldogs have had uh, uh just a tremendous season they uh, they've beaten a lot of teams that maybe if you looked at before the season started you're you're like man i, I you know i don't know uh if they can beat that team but they just keep winning uh, they're at jennings county tonight 
Then they have Columbus East at home. But listen to this stretch. They got they got to go to Providence, host Bedford North Lawrence at Brownstown, at Bloomington North. So they, they've got a tough, tough close of the season. But again, I mean, I think you want to be playing tough teams down the stretch. Uh, we've talked about that too. But when you play talented teams, it exposes your, your weaknesses and you can always fine-tune those things as the, as the season draws to a close. Steve Kerberg with us. Uh, Coach, as you think about the final couple weeks, uh, I know we've still got some big Hoosier Hills Conference games. I know there's still some rivalry games to come. New Albany-Providence also jumps to mind. Uh, what will you be watching here over the next three weeks or so before the tournament begins? Well, as far as, you know, there's a really big, small school game this weekend christian academy at number one evansville christian um that's a even um you know a midday game on saturday that that'll be that'll be a great game um but but jeffersonville's off this week but they're at center grove and jennings county next week another hoosier hills conference a big game for that conference um i'm excited about a game tonight uh providence at south central south central's 12 and 4 this season having a great a great year. Um, we all know uh, how good Providence is in the season season that they're having. Um, but yeah, but 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 back to the girls' side real quick. Um, man, this, this they're setting up for some big potential games. Jeffersonville and Jennings County. Jeffersonville's had a great season. Jennings County um, this Friday night at Floyd Central. Uh, that'll be a great game. Bedford North Lawrence. Uh, I forgot how many sectionals they've won in a row, but it's a crazy number. But they're playing a very hot uh, uh, Silver Creek team who won a big game last night. I heard you talking about it earlier. And, and but the three A side, Scottsburg and Charlestown, this Friday, uh, Coach Matthews, I think, is one of the best coaches around. Uh, as is Coach Shane. He's done a great job at Silver Creek. But we, you know, we don't get to talk about the girls' side as much. But the coaching on the girls' side is just phenomenal. Um, and then the two A sectional, you got Brownstown, who's probably a favorite over Henryville, but Henryville's fourteen and six on the season. Austin, uh, probably the favorite over Eastern Pekin. But then uh, the one A sectional, Rock Creek's had a great year too, and the, and they're 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 going to have a, their hands full with Lanesville, and then Borden and West Washington setting up the potential for Lanesville and Borden on Saturday night. All right, Steve Kerberg with us Thursday on the show. That's going to wrap things up. Be back Friday at 11 a.m. here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.